0: That your will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth right now, we submit to you because that's what's going to happen when we get to heaven. On earth right now, we acknowledge you as the king of all kings because that's what we will do in heaven. We praise you now because that is what we will do in heaven. We center your word because that is what will happen in heaven. Oh God, thank you for a taste of heaven now before we get there. Holy Spirit, fill each heart. And Lord, speak as only you can speak. You know how to do this thing where I can be in one passage and you can talk to your people about something from another passage. We should not leave here without having heard from you. And a lot of it depends on the condition of our heart. So, Lord, we open up our hearts. We ask you to help us soften our hearts may we cast out fear may we forgive may we trust may we say Lord I'm ready I need a word from you today thank you Holy Spirit for doing what you do this word is alive and active it's sharper than any two edged sword and it will pierce down between body and soul and it will judge the motives and intents of the heart can't wait to see what you're going to do in Jesus name the only name that matters amen. amen and amen second timothy chapter 2 by way of review we began a new series last week called vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor and we came from second timothy chapter 2 i will read verse 20 and 21 to get us started today Paul said to Timothy, but in a great house, and that could be a metaphor for a church because the church is called the household of faith. So in a great house or in a church, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And that's what I want to be. And I pray that's what you want to be. And that is a vessel of honor. Not a vessel of dishonor, but a vessel of honor that is sanctified or set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work that he's ordained for us to walk in. Many of those good works I saw you doing yesterday in the community. So the great house or the church has vessels of honor in it, vessels of dishonor, vessels of gold and silver, vessels of wood and clay. So we have a choice of what we're going to be and what we're not going to be in this house. First in the kingdom of God, but then in a local expression in the local church, I want to be a vessel that the master can use. I want to be prepared for any and every good work that the master has for me. I want to be a precious vessel in his hand, not a vessel of dishonor. So I want to highlight a person today that I want us to say, you know what? I can learn from this person. And Lord, uh, I can follow this person as they follow you or as they followed you in scripture. So today, let's talk about be like Titus, be like Titus. Now, some of you are going to. You're going to be introduced to Titus for the first time today. Others of you are going to get reacquainted with him. Um, Be like Titus or uh, Tiffany uh, for our sisters. Be be like Titus, Titiana, whatever, you know, be like (laughs) Titus. So let's go on over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Be like Titus. Second Corinthians chapter 2, I'll begin reading at verse 12. And the Bible says in the New King James Version, Paul writes, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. Stop. Pause. He's recounting what happened in Acts chapter 16. When he is out on his second missionary journey, and he is trying to go into certain regions and areas mainly into Asia Minor, but at that time, the Holy Spirit forbade them to go into certain areas. So God said, no, you can't go into this region. No, you can't go into this region. The Spirit would not allow them. There was a time to go into those regions, but in Acts 16, that was not the time. So in Acts 16, from verses 6 through 10, God had closed doors, but he opened up the door in Troas which is what we see in verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 2. He says, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. What's going on? He says, I tried to get into certain places to preach the gospel. God said no. And then he opened a door for me in a place called Troas. So I go into Troas because God opened a door for me, but I can't stay there. Because I can't find my brother, Titus. So in other words, I don't even want to go through a good door, an open door, if I don't have my friend with me. What good is prospering and going forward, even in ministry, if I don't have my friend with me? So so this is very, very important to keep in mind. Closed door, closed door, closed door, open door, I'll go through it. But Titus, I can't find him. So I took my leave and went from Troas into Macedonia, and Macedonia was one of the chief provinces of the day that housed a city called Philippi because Paul had a vision of a man pleading with him, come over and help us in Macedonia. So he concluded from that dream that he was to get up and go into Macedonia to leave Troas, couldn't find Titus there anyway. He goes based on the dream, and when he gets there, he doesn't find a man pleading for help. He finds a woman named Lydia who doesn't know the Lord. And he ends up leading her to Christ, her household comes to Christ, and a revival starts breaking out in Macedonia, a city called Philippi. And then eventually, Paul is going to get thrown into jail because he casts out an unclean spirit from a fortune teller girl, a girl with a demonic spirit to quote unquote tell the future. Paul cast the spirit out of this girl, which meant that her handlers would lose money, and Paul ended up getting locked up along with Silas. So that is what happened when he went into Macedonia. So now let's go on over to 2 Corinthians 7 now. God opens a door in Troas. He stays for a moment but leaves because he can't find Titus. Now now let's also keep in mind, this is the ancient world. You don't have phones, cell phones. Um, There's no way to to communicate like that. And so when when we say he couldn't find somebody, I mean, wow, like it's already tough enough. So he says, "I I couldn't find him. But look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 7 beginning at verse 5. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, which is where Philippi is in Acts 16, our bodies had no rest. But we were troubled on every side, outside were conflicts, inside were fears or terrors. So he's saying, man, it it, it was tough on us. So here is the aged and rugged apostle who's saying that, I went into another open door in Macedonia, but it was still difficult. So pause here. Just because God opens a door for you, that doesn't mean it's not going to be hard. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Paul went through one door and he said, there are many who oppose me. So he's blessed your business. He's called you to go to school. He's called you to get married. He's opened doors for you to join a church. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy street. If anything, it's going to become difficult because the enemy's trying to stop you from going through that door that God has given you in the first place. He doesn't want you to realize why you're in this place of opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be hard. It's supposed to be hard, and that's why we got God. And then the brother says in verse 6, don't mix, miss this. He says, it's hard. Nevertheless, God. Somebody just need to just, nevertheless, God. It's hard right now. It's tough right now. The tornado came through. Nevertheless, God. What does he do? He comforts the downcasts. He comforted us by the coming of who? Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me so that I rejoiced even more. Titus, Titus, this man, Titus, his name means honor in the Greek, honor. So he is truly a vessel of honor. He was a Gentile convert. He's a Greek guy. He's not Jewish. And Paul would use him as a case study when he would go to Jerusalem and meet with the Jews who felt that, okay, these Gentiles are coming to Christ, but they need to be circumcised. And the gospel would declare that, no, they don't need to be circumcised. It is faith in Christ that matters. Circumcision avails nothing at all, not at all. So it's about faith, not circumcision. And the Bible says in Galatians chapter 2 that when Paul would take Titus with him and talk to the Gentiles, that he would speak of his conversion, but he would be so secure in the gospel of grace that he would not pick up the law of circumcision under any circumstances. So he was a Gentile who was secure in grace, would not come under law. And Paul called Titus a true son in the faith, a true son in the letter that he writes to him, because they both go into an area called Crete. Believers, come, people come to faith in Christ. The church begins to form organically, and it needs organization now. Paul says, I'm going to leave Titus in Crete to get the church in order. So Titus was a guy who was an assistant to Paul, a true son in the faith that Paul would uh, give assignments to because Paul knew I could trust this man to handle business So, Titus, what a man. Not only a true son, but Paul calls him my brother. That's why I always say my brother when I meet you. My brother. It's biblical. And so, he was his son, and he said, that's my brother. What an amazing man, this Titus. His honor is his name. So, Paul goes into Macedonia after having not found Titus over in Troas. Because I can't do this work without my boy. I'm going over to Macedonia. And then all of a sudden, while he's in Macedonia, they're struggling. They don't have rest. They're troubled on every side. There's conflicts everywhere. Then all of a sudden, God comforts Paul when Titus shows up. Oh, you've got to see this with your eye, with your, the eye of your mind. First thing I want you to see, I have two things from 2 Corinthians 7. The first thing is that God always comforts the downcasts. He always comforts the downcast. Paul said we were struggling. Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast. Because we're going to talk about Titus being a comforter. But we don't want to run past God comforting us to run to Titus comforting us. Oh, I got to help somebody today because some of us are so codependent on people that we miss what God wants to deposit in us. So Paul kept this thing in order, God who comforts the downcast. Then he's going to talk about Titus. So before I talk about Titus comforting Paul, let's talk about how God comforts Paul. What I see here is that even the great apostle Paul got downcast. Uh, You ever been around some Christians who are always up? And they make you feel bad if you're having a bad moment or a bad day, and you wonder, where's my faith? Because they always up. Well, let me tell you something. Even the great ones get down sometimes. Paul said, I was downcast. And let's go to an even greater one, Jesus, the Son of God, who is also called a man of sorrows. So every now and then, if you're living this life, you're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. You're going to experience sorrow. Now, you may visit there, but you don't have to live there. But we don't have to try to be so spiritual that we can't act like we don't hurt. So here this man is saying, man, I am downcast. Because we all get downcast sometimes. That doesn't show a lack of faith. That just shows that you're human. You're human. We get down sometimes. And, and just because you're not down today, that doesn't mean you won't be down tomorrow. But no matter what's going on, the Lord is there to lift up the downcast. Psalm 42 verse 6 says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disquieted within me? David repeats that over and over again in the Psalms. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disquieted within me? Then he speaks to himself and he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him for the help and the strength of his countenance. So I'm getting down. I'm struggling. I deal with depression and discouragement. That's real, but so is God, and I'm going to lift my eyes to the hills. I'm going to lift up my hands to God, and I'm going to bless him. I'm going to worship him. He's the only one that can get me out of this. I turn to you. I look to you. I depend on you. I rely on you. I pray to you. I praise you. I worship you. I thank you. The next thing you know, you wonder how you got down. Your perspective begins to change when you focus on the Lord. But everybody gets downcast, but God is here to lift up the downcast. Thank God. In the 1996 Olympics, there was a gymnast named Carrie Strug. Some of you may remember this. This Olympics occurred in Atlanta, and Carrie had become downcast. In the final rotation of team competition, the Americans were on the vault with a commanding lead over the Russians. Unfortunately, things began to fall apart because the first four American gymnasts had sloppy landings on the vault. And Carrie Strug was up last. She had to save the day. And on her first vault, she landed and fell down. She would find out later that she tore two ligaments in her ankle. She got up in pain, knowing that she needed to vault again. But feeling the pain in her ankle, she wasn't sure if she could do it. But then her coach came, and he kept saying to her, You can do it. You can do it. We need you to do it. We need you to do it. You can do it. So with coaching from the coach, Strug limped back to the starting position, trying to loosen up her ankle along the way. She got in place, and she focused on the runway. She sprinted down the runway, and she made her second vault attempt with the bad ankle. And she did her flip in the air, and when she landed, she landed on both feet. She stuck the landing, but then she lifted up the bad ankle after she had stuck both feet down. And the applause began to go, and she collapsed on the mat in pain. And as she sat there in tears, tears of pain from the the, the agony of what was going on in her body, but also wondering if what she did was enough, her coaches came out. They picked her up and they assisted her off the mat, one on one side and one on the other side. They, they walked her off the mat and people kept applauding. Well, when the score came in, she ended up earning a 9.712, which was enough to win the first ever gold medal for the U.S. women's gymnastics team. Her coaches bandaged her ankle and carried her up to the award platform So that she could receive the gold medal. I serve a God today who helps the downcast. Yeah, her coaches were there. Telling her, you can do it in spite of your pain. You can do it. We need you. And I serve a God who is my coach. And he tells me even when I'm hurting. Chris, you can do it. Chris, you can do it because when you're weak my strength is made perfect in weakness you can do it even when you don't feel you can do it because I'm telling you that you can do it and if I tell you you can do it faithful is he who calls you who also will do it and after you do it my God comes and he picks me up he bandages me up and he's going to carry me to the award ceremony in heaven and so we all get down where we feel like I can't get up. I, I can't do it. But God comes and he speaks and he coaches our spirit. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. So I may get down, but I can't stay down. And when I get up, I just might have a limp. But I'm gonna give him my best. <laughs> he's gonna breathe. If he can breathe on some dry bones and make him an army, he can breathe on this offering. I'm trying my best to give him. Because he helps the downtrodden and the downcast. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, the word comfort is found four times. He says that, nevertheless, in verse 6, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you. And so the word consolation, translated that way in the English, is also the word comfort. In the Greek, from the Greek word, listen this, paraclete. Comfort, 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 comfort. Paraclete, 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 paraclete. And this word in the Greek language means to come alongside. Just like Carrie's coaches came alongside to comfort her, to help her, to pick her up. Comfort is when somebody comes alongside of you to cheer you on, to encourage you, to keep on doing what you know you were built to do. Encouragement. The courage is there. You just need somebody to help get it back in you. Encouragement. And so that's what this word means, to come alongside. Like Moses, when he was told to stand up on top of the mountain while Joshua fought in the valley. And he was commanded to lift his hands. And as long as his hands were lifted, Joshua was winning. But when his arms got tired and his arms came down, that's when Joshua started losing. But the Bible says two people came alongside, one on the right, one on the left, Aaron and her, and held his arms up. That's what encouragement is, somebody who comes alongside and helps lift your arms up to heaven. Encouragement. Paraclete, and it speaks of the Holy Spirit. My God, who's the ultimate, because it's one thing when you come along beside me as help or comfort, but I've got help on the inside of me through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's the same word paraclete used of him in John 14, 16 and John 14, 26, where Jesus says, I've got to go away because if I don't go away, the comforter will not come the comforter the paraclete will come and this word paraclete as far as the holy spirit is not only translated as comforter it's also translated as counselor and helper same word the word is so rich that we have many different english words to describe paraclete that the holy spirit is the comforter he's also the helper he's also the counselor and he lives on the inside. Somebody said, Pastor, I still don't know what a paraclete is. I, I know you're trying, Pastor. But well, well, you may not know what a paraclete is, but you know what a parachute is. Parachute is when you jump out of an airplane, hopefully on purpose, because you're part of a, you know, a crew that does that stuff. The parachute is going to open so that you can land softly. The parachute is there to protect you. So I may not know what a paraclete is, but the paraclete, the Holy Ghost, is like a parachute because in this world I fall, but he's there to soften the fall and help me when I fall. You may not know what a paraclete is, but you know what a paramedic is. (laughs) Paramedic is the doctor that comes to you when you can't get to the hospital. So they come to you. So, So the Holy Ghost is like a paramedic. When I can't get to the hospital called the church, Uh, he's got a mobile unit. He's always around. He comes to me, Dr. Jesus, the Holy Ghost, paraclete. You may not know what a paraclete is, but you know what a paraphrase is. That's when you break a sentence down and you make it simpler so that people can understand. You paraphrase a book. You paraphrase a movie. You break it down. And and you may not know a whole lot about God. And then the word of God is so rich, but the paraclete, he's in you and he breaks down these deep constructs and he paraphrases them so that we may understand the love, the mind, and the will of God. You may not know what a paraclete is, but you know what a paralegal is. They work with a lawyer. They work for free. They do research because you can find yourself in a trap, in a mess, and you need to get away out of no way. Now, now again, I, I, don't, I may not know what a paraclete is, but I know what a paralegal is, and a paraclete is like a paralegal because when I find myself trapped in a mess, when I find people accusing me, even the devil coming against my mind, I need a paralegal. I need a defense lawyer. I need somebody to stand in the gap and make a way out of no way and get me out of something. That's the Holy Ghost. You may not know what a paraclete is, but you know what a parakeet is. <laughs> parakeet is in the parrot family, talking birds. That imitate their owner and and the Holy Ghost is like a parakeet because he knows how to talk to you he knows how to speak to your mind and and give you peace when you're going through something so the paraclete you may not know what it is but you know what a pair of cleats are (laughs) because if you ain't got the right shoes on you can't compete in certain sports So a pair of cleats is when you have a shoe with a sole with studs attached to it so that when you dig in, the the cleats dig in to give you traction and keep you up. You may not know what a pair of cleats, but the Holy Ghost is like a pair of cleats that when I'm walking through this life. He's the stud attached to my soul that, that keeps me from falling over and falling down. So God comforts us with the Holy Spirit giving us everything that we need for life and godliness because God always comforts the downcast. So I just want to tell somebody today, hold on to God's unchanging hand. And when you don't have strength to hold on, trust the fact he's holding on to you. Oh, my God, he's here. He loves you. But secondly and finally, God sometimes comforts people with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He always comforts the downcast. And he does it personally through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes he comforts people with people. And we see that with Titus. Because in verse 6 it says, Nevertheless, God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Oh, this is good. Titus comforted Paul by simply showing up. He just showed up. Remember, I'm in Troas looking for my man. Can't find him. There's something about this man. I need to be around him. I need to be with him. I can't find him. I'm leaving. So Titus ends up looking for Paul now. Paul couldn't find him, but Titus finds Paul in Macedonia. After all that struggling, all that hard-pressed ministry, Titus shows up right when Paul needs to see a demonstration of God. Because, yes, God comforts us, but God is invisible. Yes, God encourages my soul, but every now and then I do need a hug, even if the coronavirus is floating around. I need a hug. I need need to see this man. I need to see my son and my brother. And so Titus comforted Paul simply by showing up, listen to this, with his presence. Not with presents, with a T. Because some of us don't really want people. We want what people can give us. And we use people to get stuff from people, thinking that the stuff will comfort us. No, let's not get it twisted. It's people who comfort. I'm not saying that a good meal and someone giving you a gift is not comforting. But again, don't put things over people made in the image of God. Because that thing can't love you and talk to you. Now, I got to say now, every now and then, when the church sees now pastor's a little downcast, he's a little discouraged. Uh, And so, if you want to bake a cake for me, like one of the sisters did last week, uh, and and it encouraged me uh, this week, uh, uh, (laughs) the the cake couldn't hug me, but I hugged the cake. Uh, I remember one time, man, I was going through a hard season. This same family that has the gift of hospitality—they showed up at my house with some crabs shipped in from Baltimore. I started feeling better. Oh, I started <laughs> feeling better. Thank, and it had the old bay and everything. Thank you. So, so you show up, mm-hmm. but if you want to bring something when you show up, too, because being thought of, being thought about, you don't have to always try to. You know, give a Bible verse that's going to fix it because that's not how life works. Sometimes people just need to know that you care by showing up. Uh Do you have a Titus in your life or a Tiffany? Someone who will find you when you're struggling. Someone who will come alongside of you when you're hurt. Do you have a Titus who will come and encourage you and lift your hands up? Do you have one? Someone who brings a smile to your face without even having to say a word. Somebody that when they show up, your spirit gets lifted up. Someone who helps you to find strength in the Lord. Do you have a Titus? Paul said, I was downcast, but God comforted me by the coming of Titus. I looked at Titus and I got encouraged. He didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to do anything. Our love is just like that. One man with another man. It ain't nothing funny there. Two men of God. Do you have a Titus? That when, or, or, when you see their number on your phone, you're like, oh yeah, that's my boy. That's my girl. Let me pick this, let me answer this. But some of us ain't a Titus. Some of us are just. I don't know what we are. So then when we see that number, we're like, oh, I can't answer that. (laughs) Because you're not going to encourage me right now. I I, I need to talk to you when I'm in a different frame of mind because you're going to bring me down. (laughs) Which means are you a Titus to someone? To be like Titus, to encourage other people means you need to be selfless and intentional. Because some people know you're going through something. Then when they call you, it's not long before they're talking about what they're going through and they forget about what you're going through because, they, they, you know, it's always about them. Don't be in the hospital when those kind of people come by. <laughs> they up in the hospital talking about the stuff on them that hurts. Like, wait a minute, I'm in the bed. I, 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 hey, just selfish. Wow. Wow. But we got to be selfless and we got to be Intentional. Which means that if we know somebody is struggling, just don't pray for them. Maybe you need to write them a note. Because we have good intentions, but good intentions that don't lead to work is nothing. Do something. Call them. Stop by. Visit them. Do something. Be intentional. And one of the best ways I've learned this, man, to get through my own discouragement is to find somebody else to encourage. I said it too fast. Let me say it again. When I'm discouraged, and man, I wish I had a Titus in my life, you know, uh uh-huh. God is like, uh uh-huh. I want you to encourage somebody else because that's where your encouragement is going to come from. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. I need you to give some encouragement and watch you get some encouragement. And you'll be more excited about who you can lift up as opposed to always needing to be lifted up. Oh, my goodness. Proverbs 11.25 says, a generous person will prosper. And he who refreshes others will be refreshed. So when I refresh you, I get refreshed. But if I'm always looking to get refreshed, mm, come on now. Every time I see you, you're trying to drink out of my cup. I didn't, my cup just got filled yesterday because it's been empty all week. Then when I see you, you coming up with a handout sip. Can I get a sip, bruh? You got a word, bruh? No, do you have a word? Can I drink out of your cup for a change? You always need me to encourage you, man. How about you encouraging me? You can't always be down and no Jesus. (laughs) Encourage somebody else. Now watch this, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. I love this verse. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Jesus is a life-giving spirit. So if we're in Jesus and Jesus is in us, that means we're to be life givers. Yeah, we get down. Yeah, we get discouraged. We become sorrowful. We get sad. Uh We mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. Mm -hmm. But not all the time. So if Jesus is operating in us, life is going to come, which means when you walk into a room, do you give life to the room or do you drain the life out of the room? We got to ask ourselves that. When, when, when you show up, uh, uh, do smiles come or do frowns come? Are people happy to see you come or they happy to see you go? I mean, wh- 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 which one is it? Because some folks like, ooh, I'm glad that brother's gone. He just brought a gray cloud over everything. But Jesus is a life giving spirit. So when I walk places, and even if I'm wounded, that doesn't stop me from trying to heal others. I'm a wounded healer. Like Paul would say, uh, uh, we're, we're sorrowful, but we're always rejoicing. You know, we're poor, but we're making other folk rich. Yeah, this is what I'm going through, but this is not the definition and totality of who I am or where I am. I know the Lord. And I saw some Tituses show up in the community yesterday. I saw strong tower people encouraging folks, loving on children, hugging people, meeting felt needs. And y'all were beaming. I mean, because you were giving life and God was giving life right back to you. That's how the kingdom of God is supposed to work. So, so in a great house, Paul said. You got vessels of gold and silver, honor and dishonor. And if Strong Tower is a great house, if we're ever to be a great house or a great church, it has nothing to do about numbers. It has nothing to do about programs. It has everything to do with the quality of people that are in here who are submitted to the Holy Spirit and walking out the kingdom of God. That's what makes a great house. Because you can have a lot of people coming. That don't mean it's a great house. A lot of people go to the circus every but that don't mean anything. A great house has people who are submitted to the Lord, and I believe I pastor a church full of Tituses. I do. I I do. I believe there are Tituses in this congregation where when you show up, man, the the, the climate changes. When you show up, things get better. There, There are men, and I don't want to name anybody. I told Doreen I'm not going to name people. But I've had Tituses in this church. Man, when I see y'all, man, you just bless me. You ain't got to say nothing. I just look at you, man. Because when you're in the foxhole, and and it's coming at you from everywhere, and and then God sends the reserves to come. He sends the the, the people to come and back you up, and you just look at them. And (laughs) I'm not by myself. And you're like, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sending the army in. And I got so many. And I hope you have those people. And I hope you can be like that for somebody. Every football team has cheerleaders. Cheerleaders are on the side cheering the whole game. They're cheering to try to encourage the team on the field. They're cheering, trying to encourage the people in the stands. But here it is, when you go out and see a team that's sorry, them cheerleaders work extra hard. 45 to nothing. They still on a. We win. We win. We got to That's their job. They gotta keep trying to encourage no matter what the scoreboard says. I almost asked my daughters to give me a chair. I was gonna do a chair this morning. Uh, well, g- give me a chair. What, what was one of them chairs y'all used to do? You don't remember? You want me to call you up here? Okay, uh, uh, now they like a chair that I grew up with when I played Little League football. This was not a righteous cheer, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. But somehow, when we would sing this, we would get hyped. Cheerleaders would sing what we get hyped. I got a feeling. It's in my locker. Oh, yeah. Wait, where my oh, yes? I got a feeling. No, I better not say this cheer. I better not say this cheer. R-E-R-E-B-R-E-B-O-U-N-D, rebound. And you on the side, I can get that rebound. I can get that rebound. They over there. All that stuff. We have a God in heaven who cheers us on. No matter what the score says, we may feel like we're losing, but he knows that we're winners. And if we listen to him saying, you can make it, then we got people in our lives, no matter what you're going through. There are people in Nashville right now who've lost everything, but folks are coming around cheering, saying, you're going to make it through this. When God baptizes this church with even more Tituses, I think we have a name now in the community that strong ties that encouraging church. That's right, man. That's the way it's supposed to be. We know God. Let's stand to our feet. And I'm going to do something that Patrick Buckley said to me the other day, men's ministry breakfast. Watch out, men, is coming. They have been underground, praying, working, strategizing. We're about to roll out the new season of the men's ministry. But we were getting together, and Patrick talked about expectancy from God. Why pray if you don't expect him to show up? And so sometimes we have to be demonstrative. And so when we pray, we worship and we lift our hands. But sometimes we can cup our hands in anticipation. Lord, I expect you to come through. I need you, Lord. So on behalf of your needs and the needs of other people in this community, as we close in prayer, I want you to demonstratively hold your hands like this. Give, you said Jesus. It will be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing out of your lap. And Lord, in those days, they would put the meal in their garment, and the meal would be poured into their clothes, into the garment. And so, Lord, we hold our arms saying, Lord, we need help. Our neighbors need help. The earth is yours and everything that's in it. Lord, for the person that needs healing in their body, you are Jehovah Rapha, you heal. And I pray you heal the one who's sick in mind, body, and soul. For the person who needs provision today, job, house, whatever it may be, oh God, would you provide. May they expect and wait on you and be of good courage like we sing today. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. For those, Lord God, who need a touch, whatever it may be. And for our neighbors who are hurting, who are homeless, who are going from house to house. Lord, I pray that you turn this thing around and give them better homes and better jobs and better situations out of the storm that beauty will be replaced with the ashes. So we stand believing you're a good father who gives good gifts to his children. Thank you that you give bread and not a rock. Thank you that you give fish and not a snake. You know what we have need of before we ask. So we leave this place expecting... Knowing that daddy knows. And because you know we're all right. We're all right. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.